Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our consideration is our gospel lesson this morning and the words of Jesus, who warns us of false doctrine, especially false prophets. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, today we are reminded that we, as your people, need a regular diet of your word, so that we may know what is true and what is false. That when we hear someone coming in your name, we may know if it is bearing the fruit of your word or the fruits of their own desires. Help us, Lord, to sanctify us by your truth, for your word is true. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, I'm sure something like this has happened to all of us at one time or another in our lives. How do you like it when maybe a very good friend of yours goes to another friend or someone else and tells absolute lies about you, complete and utter lies, to try and make that other person not like you as much or to like them better than you. It's not a good feeling because then this other person is believing false things about you. And now instead of having that friendship that you could have had, that lies that one person said, and now put a separation between each other. And lies are being believed instead of the truth. In our text this morning, Jesus reminds us that false doctrine, false teaching, is like a close friend telling lies. Instead, the false teacher is those coming in the name of Christ, and telling lies so that we will not believe in the truth. But instead believe in them. And cause a division between us and Jesus. We got to notice the trick of the false prophet. He says, beware of false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly are ravenous wolves. This false prophet comes as supposedly as God's <laughs> spokesman in God's name, proclaiming God's word, probably even saying, thus declares the Lord. But his words do not match up with the words of Christ. And they're causing division as a wolf would cause so much terror on someone. The false doctrine does the same. 
It eats them up and causes and can cause even death. But yet God sends people to preach and teach his word because it's God's word that saves. But as we're reminded in our Old Testament lesson in Jeremiah, it says what it means to be God's spokesman. He's calling them to return. He says, and I will restore you if you return and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless. And then he says, if you do that, you shall be as my mouth. Preachers and teachers of God are not to preach their own desires and their own thoughts, but they're to preach and teach God's word alone. For it is God's word alone that saves. Later on in Jeremiah, continually to warn against these false prophets, God says, Behold, I am against those prophets who use their tongues to declare, declares the Lord. They say whatever they want, and then they add on, declares the Lord, as if this was God's very word itself. And so they come in the name of the Lord. They come in God's name. But do we remember the Lord's commandment as we study in confirmation class in Sunday school? The second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord our God. And remember in confirmation, we always ask in Luther's small catechism, what does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, use satanic practices, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in every trouble, pray praise and give thanks. To misuse God's name then is not just using that curse that so we so flippantly say throughout our lives, but it goes deeper than that. And the one we're concentrating on today is to deceive in his name. This is what false prophets do. They come in God's name and they deceive. False teachers, preachers, prophets, they all deceive in God's name, saying this is God's word. This is what he says. And they usually sometimes say, the Lord spoke to me and he's telling you. If he's speaking to that preacher something else that's not in his word, it's not from the Lord. It's from him. There are plenty of false teachers today in America and throughout the world. One of the, the prominent false teachings is that of the uh, prosperity gospel. Many preachers like that today. If you just give that preacher just enough money, you will manifold in your own riches. In fact, there was a prominent preacher in Georgia. His name is Creflo Dollar. And he asked his congregation recently to give him money so that he can buy a second private jet to fly to his other congregation in New York. So I have a request for you guys. <laughs> but that's what he does. 
They think by giving a certain minister or a certain congregation or ministry their money that God will make them prosperous or he maybe even heal them from some disease. And they're having dangerous effects on these people, leading them away from the true word of God, from the true word of Christ, the word alone that has the power to heal and to save. Just like a wolf will tear you up, false doctrine tears us up. But they come to us looking so nice and sleek, very nice voices. So how will we recognize these false teachers? They say they come in sheep's clothing, know them by their fruits, but what does that mean? Is it going to be in their actions, their attitudes, how they treat other people? No, because they're going to deceive in those things. So what does it mean when Christ says you will know them by their fruits? them by the fruits is the very words that they're proclaiming to you that is their fruit and if you don't have that regular diet of the word of the true word we can be easily deceived as I get older that saying is more and more true you are what you eat and if we have a regular diet of words that are false but will only drive a deeper and deeper wedge between us and Christ. We'll constantly be looking in towards ourselves, asking God, why we haven't prospered? Why hasn't he healed this or that? I've given and I've given and I've given and nothing has happened. There are many false teachers. We've got the prosperity gospel. We also have those the end time propagandist people who are always predicting when Christ is going to come. And I think that for the Lutheran church sometimes is more we get sucked into that more than the prosperity gospel. We're always looking for signs and things like this. This is the end times. This is Christ's coming. But we already know from scripture that we are in the end times. Paul and the apostles were in the end, the last days. We're in the last days. But we get sucked into these things. Christ is going to come in this date, so forth. I remember going when I was in seminary. After your first year, your second year, you can go out and preach. And the first church I went to, one of the first churches I went to, after service, I got bombarded by a certain person with a bunch of end times questions. I was not their pastor. I was just a seminary student. He followed me out to my car. Why don't the... Why don't we spend more time in this verse of Revelation and this and that? When we get sucked into these false teachings, it overtakes us. Instead of concentrating in, on the gospel and getting the gospel to other people, the word that saves, we so concentrated on certain things that can lead us away from Christ. I told her that I would speak to her pastor, and you should probably ask him. Heresy, as we know, teachings by false teachers and, and, and uh, prophets and all the like, 
is a direct opposition to orthodoxy, to right teaching. And many of them do it by choice, and some of them grow up in that, and they're now doing it because they believe what that false teaching is saying. That's an extreme. But we also have heterodoxy, which is less ex extreme. It's an other teaching. Many times taught by people with very good intentions, but having a mistaken belief. Like I said many times before, I grew up in the Baptist church. And for the Baptists, baptism was something that you did. Something that you're doing before people unto God to have a pledge before God with a clean conscience or your first act of obedience. But what does scripture say about baptism? We've said this before. In Titus 3.5, it's the washing of regeneration. Jesus talks to, to Nicodemus about being born again. And Peter, baptism now saves you. This is not something you're doing. This is something God does through his word and through his spirit. Causing you to be born again. Nicodemus had it right. We can't enter our mother's womb for the second time. No, we can't. And we can't cause ourselves to be born again. This is a work of God. But when you view it as something that you're doing, you're constantly living the circle. Did I believe enough? Did I repent enough when I got baptized? Maybe I didn't. So I got to go do it again. And you live in this endless circle of never knowing, never having that assurance. It wasn't until I found that treasure that was buried in my backyard, so to speak, of the assurance that Christ gives to us through his word. As a Baptist, that treasure that was in God's word was hidden in my backyard, and I didn't want to go dig it up. But now that I know that through God's word, through baptism and the sacraments, I have assurance that it doesn't depend on my works or how well I did something, but it's on how well God accomplishes his salvation. So you have heresy, which causes complete destruction of the soul and division of Christ. Our Baptist brothers and sisters are still Christians, but sometimes that teaching will hurt their Christian lives as they're living it out, as it did me, constantly not having that assurance. Did I believe enough? Did I repent enough? So that's going to affect, that's going to affect your daily life. Heresy brings destruction and heterodoxy falls short. But the word of God in its truth and purity brings life and salvation. It is only God's word that comes to us through his sacraments that saves us, cleanses us. It is God's word through his son, the eternal word, as it says in the first chapter of John, the eternal logos. He's the one that brings truth and salvation only through Christ. And it's the word connected with the sacraments, the baptism that comes to us and cleanses us. Jesus says that he is the vine and that we are the branches. 
when we're connected to him, it's when we're connected to him and his word that we now produce fruits. The fruits of the spirit. Those are, again, fruits of the spirit. Those are spirit produced. It's when we're connected to Christ and his word. Only he can produce in us that kindness, that patience, that gentleness, that self-control. We can't produce those in and of ourselves, but when we're connected to Christ and his word, he produces that in us. Jesus says that you will know them by the fruits. Being in God's word is essential for us. What does your time look like from Sunday evening to Saturday evening? Are we coming to the, the word of life and salvation that brings us to comfort? When we're worrying about our sin and our daily lives, are we returning to our baptism where God has cleansed us and forgiven us? Or are we like me in my Baptist days, trying to do something else to please God? Going to the baptismal waters for second, third, fourth time. We don't have to do that because it is Christ's word. Christ accomplishes our salvation for us. Christ gives us his word and truth and purity. And that's all we need. All we need is his word. And he's given it to us. In fact, he's come into the flesh to live that perfect life for us and to reveal his word to us. He didn't hide it from us. He didn't keep us wondering about what his word teaches. us. He gave it to us and he gave us the apostles to continue to guide us in Christ's word. So that's what we have. And we hold on to it. Because that's what gives us life. That's what gives us salvation. In it, we find the truth. In Christ, in his word alone, not my word, not any other preacher's word, but we are, as the church, his mouthpiece. And now we can go forward, not worrying about trivial things, but holding on to that gospel to share to our neighbors and friends who need it, who need salvation for themselves as well. That's the job he's given to us because he first saved us and made us his people, made us his children so that we can be his mouthpiece to utter his words and his words alone. Amen. Please rise for the blessing. Now may the grace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep and guard your hearts in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. O God, you have purchased and obtained us as your flock by the shedding of your blood. Root out of us all, all sins and vice, all strife and disbelief, all error and heresy. Rebuke the erring, convert the unbelieving, Bring the rebellious again to the unity of the Christian church and show them the light of your truth. 
Protect and shepherd from all danger of body and soul. Bless all pastors and those who assist in building up your congregation. And make their labors fruitful. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. O God, you have purchased and obtained us as your flock by the shedding of your blood. You have established marriage and sanctified the home to be a place of blessing and love. Give to parent and child the courage to love us, to love as you have loved us. Unite them in their common life by your spirit to know Jesus and to serve him. Bless the single with chastity, comfort the widowed, protect the orphan, and defend the helpless. Lord, in your mercy. Hear O God, you have purchased and obtained us as your flock by the shedding of your blood. Fill all governing authorities with fear of you, and let their service foster and preserve peace. Have mercy on our people and our country. Let our youth be brought up in discipline and in right knowledge of you, that they may recognize your law and the way of your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. O God, you have purchased and obtained us as your flock by the shedding of your blood. In your temple, we think on your steadfast love. Hear us on behalf of all who need healing, strength, and comfort. Defend them from the attacks of the evil one and cause them to join in your praise. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Give us a great hunger and thirst for the life-giving food of your blessed sacrament. Keep unbelief and impenitence far from those who come to your table. Unite us in the fellowship of the pure teaching of the apostles and prophets, that we may give no offense and bring no division, but eat and drink in faith for the forgiveness of sins in the unity of a true confession. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have brought us to the knowledge of your word. Graciously keep us steadfast in this knowledge unto death, that we may obtain eternal life. Send us pious pastors who will faithfully preach your word without offense or falsehood, and grant them long life. Defend us from all false teachings and frustrate those who, pre who pervert your word, who would come in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves, that your true church may be established among us always and be defended and preserved from such false teachers. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. <laughs> 